Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I'm 31 years old, y'all. Um, I don't feel like there's been much change since I turned 30, but hey, <laughs> let's see how 31 takes me. However, thank you so much to everybody who sent me birthday wishes, you know, I live for birthdays and I think I also realized why I love birthdays. It's a weird thing, but because there's been a lot of death around, I guess that's why on my birthday I kind of made correlation between death and birthdays. So, so you see when somebody dies, especially now with social media, we and this is not a bad thing, but we go on and we celebrate those people and we we say how much impact they had in our lives or how they inspired us in one way or another, right? And I think the only sad bit about that is probably we haven't or didn't get a chance to tell that person directly. And on birthdays, you know, it's one day where it's not going to be weird for you who hasn't spoken to this person in a long time to say, you know, you inspire me or you um, have this and that impact in my life, right? So you're literally giving somebody their flowers while they're still here. And I think that's the magical bit about birthdays. That's the bit that I love. And I only just discovered that that's what I love <laughs> about birthdays this birthday. Also because, so the day before my birthday, guys, I've been having really intense um, anxiety attacks. Like to the point where like my breathing becomes, I feel like I can't breathe. And so the day before I was having um, a brainstorm session and um, a job that I pitched for, I actually got. And it's like, in my view, a very big responsibility of a job. Anyway, so at the end of the brainstorm session, I get the email saying, yep, we definitely want to work with you. Um, this is definitely what your responsibilities are going to be, blah, 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 blah. First, they say you and your team. Me, I'm thinking, gosh, I just let go of my management team. <laughs> team is me. <laughs> That's not true, even though I say, like, I'm alone. I do have people who are supporting me, right? Anyway, so this email comes in, and then I'm like, yay. And then I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Can I really deliver? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it just, like, develops into this panic situation, and I can't breathe. And so that was, like, the day before my birthday. So when I woke up on my birthday, obviously, I was like, yay, because I love birthdays. First, my husband tried to wake me up at 5 a.m. to sing for me. <laughs> Which I thought was a, a dream. Because then when I woke up later on, I was like, did you wake me up to sing? Or was that a dream? But he actually did. And then obviously he had to go to work. Actually, he had a press conference. Cause, so this is really good news for him. He has just been appointed as the chairperson for the autocross commission in Kenya. So he loves all of those motorsports. So that's really something that we as a household are happy for him for so he had a press conference so he had to leave early and I was in bed if it wasn't for the birthday messages I was getting I really was going to just stay in bed because I think once and I don't know if it's just me and my anxiety once it hits 
it really exhausts me. Like, I feel like I've been fighting a battle <laughs> after it. I'm just like, yo, I need a nap. But I didn't want to get out of bed. But then all the messages and the calls and stuff, I was like, okay, okay, um, I'm, I'm getting some strength. I'm getting some strength from people. And then I went on a long drive because drives are just so calming to me. I really find that I'm in my happy space when I'm driving, not when there's traffic, please Nairobi, but when I'm driving, actually moving and <laughs> and I'm listening to like a particular playlist, the school of like Erica Badu and Chanel Monet, Burner Boy's album, African Giant, um, Tetrushani from Kenya, Africa Sun, like you know, all of those fave songs of mine, obviously Beyonce. <laughs> I'm really in my happy space then. And I actually do a lot of creative thinking then. So a lot of my projects or my programs get created on long drives. Anyway, so I went on a long drive, felt much better, um, but had to come back quickly because I had forgotten to send an email to someone and they chatted me like, hey, still waiting on the email. I was like, shit, you turn <laughs> back home to get some work done but then I ended up having a really really good day so that's why this year especially I'm so thankful for all the birthday wishes when I got back home my best friend Val and you know we've talked about her blog before she did a blog post I'm gonna put it in the description box actually you know she did a blog post about our friendship and it was so beautiful I just started getting a lot of strength from what people were saying. And yeah, so this year when I say thank you for your birthday messages, I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely mean it. And in the night, I went to my favorite restaurant in Nairobi, which is About Time. Like, if you ever get on my wrong side, just promise me a passion dower. It's a cocktail from About Time or their pepper steak and you will be forgiven <laughs> those are some cheat codes <laughs> around me but yes yeah, so I went there with my sisters my auntie Jane who's just I'm you know I think about her as a sister as much as she's my aunt she really is there for me through everything and let me try not to cry <laughs> Yeah, and so, and, you know, my brother-in-law and my husband, and it was, it was really nice. They gave me gifts, and, you know, I love gifts, <laughs> but it was just such a nice reminder of, like, even when I'm doubting myself, I have, and I am surrounded by so much love, and sometimes it's easy to forget that. Yeah, and so I got cake. <laughs> Deep breaths, Adele. We're not going to cry in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so the guys, the, the, the waiters and stuff sung a bit. Let me see if I can play you that. Asate. You know you can light Adele, your wig. Adele, did you blow without me? <laughs> you can light your wig, man. It's not such a wig, video. You blowed without me. Blue, babe. Blue. <laughs> Bloated. <laughs> anyway, that's my clown of a husband there with poor grandma, but <laughs> and my um, auntie and sisters and brothers-in-law laughing in the background. But um, yeah, it was it was really great. So as of right now, it is. Um, Thursday night. I am recording this now because tomorrow morning I'm going 
to Mombasa. Those of you who don't know, Mombasa is um, by the beach in Kenya. And I'm going on a girl's trip with two of my girlfriends, Val, of course, and another one who has not been on the podcast, Vanessa. And we're just going to turn up <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and then we're going to come back on Sunday. So we're going to use the SGR, which is uh, the train from Nairobi to Mombasa. I think it's going to be pretty dope. But I'm going to carry my small mic and hopefully I will remember to record all of the litty sessions that we have so that by the end of this podcast, I've put those in for you. But right now I need to start packing. I have not packed anything, but I did buy a new bikini. <laughs> and when I was going out to buy a new bikini today, my husband was like, but sh don't you have other?" I was just like, shh, shh. You don't get it. <laughs> I need a new one for this particular girl's trip. So that whenever I look at this bikini, I think of the girls. No, not really. I just wanted to spoil myself. So I need to start parking because we need to be at the train station at about 6, 6.15. So let me get to that as I leave you with 100 African stories. So this week, storyteller is Valentine Jaroge, who was on radio and TV, traditional radio and TV that is in Kenya for a couple of years. She did also work on Kiss FM, but that was before I joined. She had a weekly column in one of the dailies in Kenya where she would talk about relationships. And I think she was a pioneer because she was talking about relationships in a way that nobody was talking about them, like very open, very real. And at a point, she was documenting her own, you know, relationship experiences, which is just so beautiful for somebody to open up themselves like that, especially in the media industry where many people close themselves off. Anyway, um, fast forward to date, she has a space called Dadasphere. And Dadasphere is basically a safe space where women share their stories and their stories are on different things. So I was on one of the Dadasphere, I was going to say episodes, but um, events. And I spoke about you know, dealing with grief after my mom died. I know people have talked about trying to get children using IVF. People have talked about divorce and, you know, what comes after that. And they just have been such powerful women that she has brought on stage on Dadasphere. And so she shares a very beautiful story about, well, it starts off very dramatically. <laughs> but I think what really stands out to me is, you know, the importance of silence, trusting the journey. And the journey is like littered with a lot of failures. But just keep moving. And no matter how slow it takes, things do grow and develop. And the success you want your projects to have inevitably comes to be. Oh, wait, is that me giving away too much? You know what? Just... <laughs> Listen to it. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Valentine Jiroge and I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. I live in Westlands and I was actually born in Westlands as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like I've never left. 
I was born in Mpisha Hospital. Down the <laughs> you see, and then, and I live in Westlands, and I went to Consolata Primary. So bad. My and then I worked at Radio Africa. Like everything is in Westlands, almost within walking distance of each other. But um, I have left Westlands. I did my A levels in London, and I went to uni in the States. I was there for six years. So, so I've left. <laughs> yes. So in 2014. I was dating a guy who I just felt was wrong for me. <laughs> so I was dating a guy who I just like it, the relationship started off well and then it didn't last very very long but I felt like something was off with him like he just wasn't the guy for me. So he traveled one weekend and then when he came back I really didn't want to see him. So I went for yoga and I went a bit early so I could meditate and pray and then have the class. And I was like, God, I feel like you're whispering something in my ear about this guy. Me, I'm not hearing your whispers. Just give me a billboard. That was a Sunday. And I went for the 4 p.m. class. It was like sunset, whatever. So Thursday, I have I bumped into a friend. I was actually on my way to yoga. I decided not to go. Had a few drinks, whatever. And we'd been texting. And the guy tells me, oh, um, I'm having a bad day. Da, 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 da. So when I finished my drink, I went to this guy's house. I thought I was going home. And I thought, oh, let me pass by this guy's house. He's had a rough day. Let me be a good girlfriend. And then I found a wife and two kids. <gasps> yes. In this house that I had been in and even spent the night in. Anyway, a man has game, he has game. So anyway, coming out of that relationship, I was like, God, I'm so done with Negroes. <laughs> These people you made, I don't know how you made them, but how can somebody lie to me? And even my family, like he had met my family, whatever. And I'm not quick. I'm not that chick who you date at you for two weeks and you've already met everybody. No. So um, I was just like, I was frustrated. I was like, God, this is not, I, I don't want this to happen again. Can the next person be the real person? Like I've just done, I'm, I'm done. So that was like July, August. Then September, I was in a yoga pose called camel where you face your head backwards. It sounds like I do yoga all the time. <laughs> and I felt like, I felt a whisper like your soulmate is here, which was really bizarre because I got out of the posture. I'm like, where? <laughs> like I thought he was next to me in the class. So then October, I went for a 10 day silent retreat and I'd been praying for many things like my business. I had, I started, I believe Africa's first newspaper for women, mistakenly called Valentine's Weekly. <laughs> anyway, whatever. So I was making, I had advertising, but the money, you know how people pay you 90 days late or whatever. So now I felt like I was just sinking into debt while waiting for these payments on my books, there are all these six figure manenos <laughs> and even seven figure manenos, but um, I, I just didn't have that money, you know? So, um, so I was getting to the point where I was like, I think I need to close down this business. So I went for Vipassana. It's a 10 day silent retreat. You meditate 14 hours a day. You sit in silence with yourself, your own thoughts. You can't talk to anybody. You can't even write. They take your SIM card. Well, you give it to them. It's not like anyone's punching you anywhere and saying, give me your whatever. You're in silence. I don't know if you can tell, but I have a very dramatic way of thinking. <laughs> There's a day we're waiting for breakfast. I was like, this is how Mandela must have felt. <laughs> like I got to a point, I need to write. I'm a writer. I was literally writing on toilet paper because I'd snuck in a pen. Like, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I was being dramatic. 
So in the 10 day, whatever, I felt like I got closer to God. Like we started talking. I was like, this is how I want my life to be when I get out of here. I realized my business was in debt. On that toilet paper, I actually figured out exactly how much debt I was in and how long it would take me to get out of it. And I prayed. I was like, God, I'm going to give post-dated checks to these people. Give me the money. I don't know where it's coming from. Give me the money. And then I felt... I don't know. I, okay, so my son's father and I had had a huge fight. I can't believe I'm saying this in public. He doesn't even know this. So, and I felt I owed him an apology. Like I went back over like our relationship, our interaction. I was like, I wronged this man. I hurt this man. So I prayed. I was like, God, give me the opportunity to apologize. So that was October. And so I came out of the meditation thing. I told my landlord, I can't afford to live here anymore. I want to leave. Um, <laughs> yes, I called my mom. Can I come back home? Within like a week at a new house, like I was living back with my parents. I was 36 back in my teenage bedroom. Like it's not cute. And um, then I had to shut down my business and I have all these difficult conversations, but nobody said no. It's like God had kind of whispered to them. Everybody said, yes, these are the terms. We agree, whatever. So I was like, okay, I'll actually be out of debt within like seven months. So then I went for a party, met, bumped into this guy. And I was like, so yeah, this and this happened. Da, da, da. I was wrong and whatever. So we didn't make up, but he was like, I'm so glad you said that, whatever. Anyway, long story short, eventually I was, I got pregnant. So now it's like Christmas. I'm pregnant. I'm jobless <laughs> and I'm in my mama's house. <laughs> so since then, my life has just been a very interesting series of like seeing God's hand in my life. I didn't know it then, but I feel like God planned. So in my head, when God said your soulmate is here, see in my head, I was thinking I want a man, my partner. I feel like my son is my soulmate. Not like I'm not dating or like I know it's not some weird <laughs> relationship like that. He's clearly my son. I feel like there's work me and him have to do spiritually. So when I was pregnant, I went back to Vipassana. And I kid you not, I walked in. I had one soul in my body, even though I was like five months pregnant. And I came out and we were two. And I feel like I'd met my son. I feel like I knew he was a boy. I knew what his name was going to be. He surprises me sometimes, but for the most part, I'm like, I know this human. Or maybe it's because I became aware of him. I don't know. He had moved before even, you know, your baby starts moving when they're like three, four months, you know, you're three, four months pregnant. So he had moved before, but I just felt, I don't know. I just felt like I knew, I felt like I had a boy inside me, <laughs> not to explain it. It was like before it was just me and my body. And now there's like another person which is interesting i've never been pregnant like it's not like i have a daughter so i can say some <laughs> male consciousness versus a female well, you know yeah. what i mean but i just felt that way i just felt a very strong sense of peace like will be i was a bit nervous you know you get pregnant i was terrified i was like am i really going to be a single mom how can i provide and all of this and I was still working through that debt, but I actually, again, on like a piece of tissue, <laughs> did the math and I was like, okay, if I freelance correctly, I can actually put some money aside. I'll be able to give birth how I want to give birth and I'll be able to, like, I'll, I'll be okay financially. And I felt like God told me, I've got you. And since then, we've never lacked for anything at all, ever, like nothing. If I even say like, oh God, I want a new car. I wanted a new car. I bought my mom's. It was her old car, yeah. but still new to us. So I bought it like in the maternity ward. I was like, mom, here <laughs> So I've seen the importance of the time with myself 
and the silence. So it's important to cultivate that. I feel the most silent after a yoga class. And specifically Bikram yoga. I don't know. I've tried other types of yoga, but I think because I'm still a learner in those other types of yoga, I don't really get to that point of silence. But I've been practicing Bikram for years, so it really helps. And also in the room, you're not allowed to talk. So as soon as people are done with the class, you can either leave or you sit in silence. So, and there's nothing preached. So you could have your Hindu experience, like I have my Christian experience, but it's all, it's a silent, yeah. And I really saw it last year, actually. I kind of quit. I forgot that I had this benefit from the yoga. And I was like, ah, this thing is boring. It's the same postures all the time. Let me do other things. So I tried getting a personal trainer, doing group fitness. And that has value, but I still missed my silence after a Bikram class or before a Bikram class. So, um... So now I'm back to that. And you know, and I was actually getting a little bit depressed last year. I was like, I'm working. My work seems to be going well. Me and my son, we're good. I can see myself making strides career-wise. Like I've got meaningful, good friendships that I'm happy to invest in. My relationship with my family is good. But I was like, so what? These are all the things that shouldn't be happening if you're feeling, you know, a bit depressed. Yes, and down. I hadn't actually pieced it till just now that that's what was missing. So so now, so I went back to Bikram in December, like a few weeks ago. And I was like, hiya, I'm back to praying like properly. <laughs> So it helps me to pray. So now I'm like, okay, we'll incorporate the strength training and I'll keep doing my yoga and my silence. It's one thing to say, oh, I'll wake up in the morning. I'll sit in silence. I, I don't, I can't. And if I'm sitting somewhere, if my son is in the house, mama. <laughs> so I've seen that the thing that bugs my silence the most, that gets in the way of like even me praying where I'm like mad at God or whatever, unfortunately is money. It sounds like the least Zen thing to say. But it is, if I don't feel financially secure, then that's all I'm talking to God about. It's like, hey, when is the check clearing? Why have these people paid me? God, look at my ticket sales for Datasphere. Oh my God, I have to pay for the production. <laughs> you know, we need groceries this week. What's going on? It's okay, not to preach, but actually, yes, to preach. It's in the Bible. Like money is a shelter. Money solves most human problems. So when you don't have it, that's what you're spending time talking to God about. So I'm like, God, can I just have this money? Then me and you, we can be happy. Like we talk about other things. Let's talk about my purpose. Who do you want me to be in the world? Like <laughs> this money thing is boring. I'm sure there's a line, millions of people. Yes, you know, for me, money is its choices, but it's also a level of security. So even as I've been saying, God, you know, can we talk about other things? Just give me the money I want. It's kind of, I feel like God has been teaching me. You just rely on me. Like I've got you. So in that way, God has been teaching me that like complete reliance. It's a very funny way to live. Like a, a conversation I'm always having with myself. Like around Christmas, I wanted to give my my team like bonuses. And I was like, oh, now if I do the bonuses, what about January? How are we going to pay those salaries? And blah, 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 blah. And I was, I felt like God was telling me, see you chill. It's Christmas. You've had a good year. Everybody's worked hard. Um, the business has, you know, picked up. We're selling more tickets than we were, than we've ever sold. Because we closed the year, we had almost 350 people at the last Datasphere. You are the first Datasphere. Was it, was it 40 people? So, <laughs> it's almost 10 times the growth in a two-year period. Okay, so I don't have an easy time talking about failure. So, when I even talk about, like, Valentine's Weekly, that failure was in 2014. So, it's been almost six years. 
so I've distanced from it and I've been successful since you see like <laughs> like that as far as happened I think you also unpack things like slowly so my first production company that also failed that one I was kind of laughable how I expected things to succeed with such little information shame on me I should have done more research if you had asked me in the moment to talk about it I probably wouldn't have been able to talk about it but after when you get some distance then you even have time to unpack things and say okay this failed because of this where's the lesson what can I do differently who shouldn't I work with anymore yeah. <laughs> who's an idiot not just me for hiring you but who's an idiot <laughs> you know all that so it's you unpack differently but also some things i think the ones we really struggle to talk about are like personal things like divorce or breakups where you're like why is it that i made a mistake or i'm the mistake you know what i mean like he should never have we should never have been together i shouldn't have been with this person so i was the mistake in that person's life or they were the mistake in my life you know what i mean yeah. So 2015, so my son is born August and then, so by then, like I, I had actually put us, I'd gotten out of debt and I'd actually put some money aside. Like, okay, now I can afford a maternity leave, put my swollen feet up. <laughs> so, and then 2016, I was like, okay, now I need to start making money. I need to get back into freelancing and working and whatever. So got back into that and then I was like, but God, isn't my life supposed to be bigger? I shouldn't just be back where I was before I started that newspaper that now is defunct. So, but I was like, God, I need a sign. I want a big, and I had the idea for Datasphere. I didn't call it Datasphere. I was calling it storytelling, whatever, but I hadn't told anybody. So I was like, God, if you really want me to do this, then I need a big sign. Like I need to pull off the kind of event that even me, I'll be like, yo, <laughs> can't believe i did that so then a friend we're just having coffee and she's like that's why don't you do ted i was like huh she's like why don't you do tedx um a friend of mine has done it in joburg tedx women and you know she it's been so successful so i was like you know i actually looked it up years ago and i thought that when valentine's weekly is at a certain point we can do ted so i was like actually not everything to do to apply why did it still take me a month to apply like i almost missed the deadline so i applied got the license i will not forget this i had 30k like 300 dollars to my name when i first had a meeting with this chick who does production and i was like let's do ted she was like okay so it's gonna cost blah blah i was like yeah so i was like i need to talk to somebody so i went home i was like jesus do you see my bank account what are we doing but it all worked out like everybody i asked to speak spoke like we got someone on the supreme court to speak joaquin dongo we got um caroline mutoko to speak like all these big names in kenya nobody said no to me even safari cop spots like all these people sponsored i was just like woohoo look at me so it really was like I look at that like I have a prayer journal. I think everybody should. You see God coming like tick, tick, tick. I was like, yo, what? What else? What else can we do? <laughs> and even after Ted, it still took me a year to launch Datasphere. I was terrified. I was like, God, this is my third business. Like, okay, fine. I got the sign, EP, the videos are online. They're doing well. Thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views. But I was like, am I really going to do this thing? And then it's kind of like I was looking for reasons to say no and delay tactics. I was like, I'm writing a book. <laughs> I wrote a book. It's there. But it was a compilation of my old columns. It's not like I wrote 10,000 words, you know. 
So like just delays. I f- so finally um I got the best delay ever because we had an election in 2017 <laughs> that was recalled. Um and so I couldn't launch. I was like, you see God, I was so ready <laughs> for September. Now we're going to another election. Nobody has money, nobody cares about women. And then, <laughs> and then so 2018 February. So we're supposed to have our first event. Yeah. Do you know we sold one ticket? So I was like, you see Jesus, that was this thing. <laughs> and then now I'm putting it on Instagram due to extenuating circumstances, whatever. We've had to cancel. So anyway, we started in February of 2018. And then since then, it's taken off. There have been moments, like I thought I had money. I thought I had like enough money for three events. I ran out of money in two events. I thought I'd have a sponsor. We didn't get a sponsor until the end of the first year and that was just goodwill like a friend who was like yeah don't put my name anywhere but here I have something like <laughs> like what can i at least say <laughs> that she look professional little invites you know how money invites money <laughs> and the guy was like nope <laughs> do you want this check or no i was like thank you very much so um our first official sponsor was um end of last year So yeah, uh, Dadasphere 11th, so the 11th event. So it's taken long, but also I think God has sent me the kind of people who give me advice. Like just before the third Dadasphere, I spoke with a friend of mine, Wandia Gishoro, and she was like, Valentine, work on your content. Work on your content, forget the marketing, forget all of that. People will come, you've done enough for word of mouth, and the sponsors will find you, work on your content. So that was actually a big shift in Dadasphere, because I got a speech coach, and then we really started working with each and every speaker also so they w- walk away with a skill set so they tell their story but then also now from now on they're like i can create i can speak in public i have this skill set that has been groundbreaking and yeah we've just we've grown it's been slow i can say that yes would i like to be making more money hell yeah but am i happy with the progress yes because i've seen bigger money like bigger checks but i was poorer <laughs> to be honest So now like the slow growth has been good for us. So at every data sphere six women share their stories and then before that we have a four week program where you know we're like what is we're trying to craft your talk like we do a brainstorming what might you want to talk about and then we start now creating the talk. In that process there's a lot of healing that happens. Like there are women who've spoken and they're like oh this really moved my family they didn't know this about me now we're in therapy I'm in therapy after having you know spoken at Dadasphere and realized why wow, I thought I had dealt with my issues but there's a whole other layer <laughs> so those moments are for me the the biggest thing it's like african women we're allowed to talk about it's like there's an assumption with african women like if you have a roof over your head your kids are in school your stomach is semi full you're good like we shouldn't expect more out of life like we shouldn't expect a full thriving you know yes like we shouldn't expect a full life so and this is why i started it because i was like no we are not really that super happy and whatever and the person the woman next to you if you had a real conversation she could probably give you a little seedling of what's working for her you could tell her something that's working for you and it would just change all of us so when i see those conversations happening women within dadasphere like starting to work together i'm like this is why all of that other stuff happened my production whatever failed or even i was cheated on cuz i can be like yeah we've all been there <laughs> 
you know yeah. and finding out somebody has a wife and two children i'm like jesus imagine if i'd given that guy a year like if i had sat down in silence that sunday and said god i need a billboard <laughs> <laughs> those things in my past i look at data here now and i'm like okay there's a reason like those lessons were learned then and that this is happening now catch our next african stories in the next episode valentine has such a brilliant energy about her and so if you check the description i've put a link to the datasphere instagram page just so that if you are in nairobi or if in future datasphere comes to a space that's close to you you can check it out i've spoken at one datasphere it was absolutely amazing and maybe i should put that link yeah, I'll put that link as well in the description. I've attended a data sphere where I was not speaking. It's a brilliant space she has curated. And if you haven't been, please put that on your to-do list. Another thing that I'm like, you, I'm not too sure I would hack. That whole 10 days of silence thing. <laughs> and then you take my phone away as well. I don't know, man. I think that would be really hard for me to do. Although I know how important it is to silence the noise in your in your life. So what I do when I need to just like figure out my thoughts or my thoughts are a bit too overwhelming is I go for long drives. It just works wonders for my mind. Like it calms everything down. But then sitting in silence for 10 days. Yo! I probably wouldn't hack that one. I hope you enjoyed the story. It is um, 9.30 p.m. on Sunday. I'm back from my girl's trip. Myself, Val, who's been on the podcast before, and another one of our friends, Vanessa, went to Mombasa for my birthday weekend. It was a really, really nice time. Friday night, we went out. I thought I'd carry my microphone and just record the shenanigans that we got up to, but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of happy I didn't because it, it just got pretty lit. And then Saturday, I hang out with my two cousins, Abraham and Andy, who live in Mombasa. So I haven't seen them for a long time. It was so interesting because they're now 19 turning 20 and Andy 17 turning 18. So they were giving us stories of what the youth get up to nowadays. <laughs> And it was so entertaining, so much so that we never even ended up going out on Saturday night. And then Sunday we got, which is today, we just got on the train and came back home in the afternoon. But what I did do since I've turned 31 now, and I'm younger than both Val and Vanessa, is ask them to share with me and you What's the greatest thing they've learned in their 30s or maybe a perspective they had that changed greatly in their 30s? And I think that's a brilliant way for us to end this week's episode because they dropped some gems of wisdom. And as you listen to their gems of wisdom, remember to join the Legally Clueless tribe, which is on Instagram. Just search Legally Clueless Podcast. I think for me, there's... The, uh, I've learned so many things in my 30s because my mom died when I was a few months into 30. So that changed the game for me completely. But the one thing that's coming to mind right now is something my therapist told me in December, that people who've gone through trauma live life waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was selling, I'm in a new relationship and I was just selling a house sometimes. I just worry that I'll mess it up or whatever it is. And she's like, that's typical for people with trauma because life has been hard for them or they've gone through something. And then now when life starts becoming good, they're like, I don't believe it. There's something, life, as in it, when it's too good to be true, think try something that's going to happen. So what happens is that then we start self-sabotaging. Yeah. 
like in sometimes in the most obvious ways in some sometimes in ways that are not so obvious all because you don't believe that now life is finally good. good so ever since she told me that i've just tried to be careful and just like is this my intuition you know speaking or is it my trauma misguiding me or whatever it is and just trying to be pay more attention to that Vanessa, <laughs> what I've learned in my 30s is, so in my 20s, I made a lot of, um, I'll say, agreements with myself on who I was. Okay. So, for example, I'll be doing certain things, but I'm acting. I know it's not the real me. So in my 30s, I was very intentional about questioning everything that I feel, everything that I'm doing. So I'm breaking away layers of things that I had pretended to be in my 20s, and I'm comfortable doing it. I'm not scared. I'm not... I'm not I'm not scared that I'll lose people a job money by being me so I've I've learned myself at 30 and it's been it's not been a, a dramatic change it's just now I'm ready to to stop agreeing with all these things that I was taught when I was younger but even like little things like not taking things personally because I used to take things everything that someone would say I'd be like, you know, they're seeing something, that's who I am, that's who I am, and I didn't know. So now I'm also learning not to take things personally, because whatever someone says to me is, is, is their truth, it's not mine. Yeah. So I have to figure myself out and, and be comfortable being myself. Yeah, yeah that's what I've That is deep. Yeah, they're just so deep. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.